0: What's it like for humans in space? What do they encounter and how do they get ready to go? Let's find out from an astronaut. Hi, I'm Jim Green, and this is a new season of Gravity Assist. We're gonna explore the inside workings of NASA in making these fabulous missions happen. I'm here with Ken Bowersox. Ken is the Deputy Associate Administrator for the Human Exploration and Operations Mission Directorate. Ken is also a United States Navy Captain and a former astronaut. He is a veteran of five space shuttle missions and an extended stay aboard the International Space Station. Ken, welcome to Gravity Assist.
1: Hey, thanks, Jim. It's great to be here with you today. And, uh, and and a couple corrections. I, I got on my last mission. I got to come home on a Soyuz, so I take credit for that too. Oh, great! And, and whenever we say. Uh, Former astronaut, people give us a hard time. So I usually say retired because you never know with the way things are going in commercial space, I might get a chance to fly again. <laughs> so, so there's always that chance. So there, there's never the last flight, right? It's always your, your most recent flight and you're never a former, uh, even though you can be retired. I understand
0: completely. Did you always know you wanted to be an astronaut?
1: Well, I wouldn't say always, but I, I, I started um, on the path to becoming an astronaut at a very young age, um, you know, when I look back on it, I think um, there was a lot of things that um, made me think about it. Right. I, um, I can remember going to air shows when I was, you know, just a few years old. But the thing that really got me was uh, when I was about seven, I was riding in the family car with my father and um, on the radio, we heard about John Glenn uh, orbiting the Earth. And I remember asking my dad, what's that mean? And, and he explained it to me. And I thought, I, I want to <laughs> do that. I, I want to be an astronaut someday. And, and
0: so that was kind of the start. Wow, that's unbelievable. Well, you know, you flew as a pilot on the space shuttle missions STS-50, which was uh, uh, Columbia, and then STS-61, which was Endeavour. And for each of these missions, uh, of course, there's always a commander and a pilot. What's what's the roles? Because you were a pilot on those missions.
1: Well, um, if it was on a commercial airliner, the pilot would be called a co-pilot. But, but we wanted to have fancy titles in the in the space shuttle world. So instead of being pilot and co-pilot, um, we made it commander and pilot. Um, but but the, the, the way things usually work, the um, commander, in addition to running the mission, would do a lot of the... Um, critical flying tasks, and the the pilot would back up the commander. You you'd make sure that um, uh, the the vehicle was going the direction it should be going, that all the systems were, were functioning properly, and then the the most important thing that you did on the whole mission was making sure that the landing gear. Went down. Uh, the 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 commander would be flying. You'd get down to a few hundred feet and and hit the button to put down the landing gear. Uh, and if if you didn't do that, it was going to be really ugly. So that was that was we used to say that was the most important thing the pilot had to do. Okay,
0: that's pretty fantastic. Well, on that STS sixty one, that was the first Hubble repair mission. Now, what was your role on that mission? Well, I, I was the pilot for that mission, so.
1: Um, uh, Dick Covey and Steve Hawley were back at the flight station when we did the initial rendezvous. um, And I got to sit up in the commander's seat watching all the systems. Uh, I remember Dick Covey, uh, he he told me, when I'm flying the vehicle, getting up close to the Hubble Space Telescope, my brain is gonna be shrunk to the size of a pea. Uh, And he says, I'm gonna need you kind of looking at all the different systems in the vehicle to make sure things are going well, because I won't have the bandwidth to do that. And I'll be counting on you to, to, to watch that for me. And I, I, I remember being so impressed with the way he trusted me, right? And the way he explained what his limitations would be. And um, uh, I, I can remember telling my pilot on STS-82 when I got to fly the rendezvous to Hubble, the same thing. Uh, and it was really true. I mean, you're so excited, you're concentrated on on making sure you don't do something that might damage the telescope. You're not thinking as much as you'd like to about all the other things that have to work on the vehicle. And it's great to have somebody else on the team um, uh, taking that big picture and, and looking out for you.
0: Yeah. So during those times, you have to be laser focused on what you're doing. Well, you had an opportunity to watch these guys do spacewalks at the time and 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 start that process of taking the telescope apart and putting new pieces back and forth. Uh did you want at that time to get out there to help them with that repair?
1: Oh yeah, I desperately wanted to go outside. <laughs> I, I I used to joke that I've probably seen watched more more spacewalks than just about anybody because I saw five on the first uh, HST servicing mission and then another five on uh, on the second servicing mission. Um, and I had trained for a spacewalk on my first flight as a sort of a, a contingency crew member, um, but but you know, of course never got to do it. Um, the, on my, on the first Hubble servicing mission though, the, the, the EVA team was so kind to me. They actually let me, um, get into one of the suits and see what it felt like to be, um, pressurized in the suit inside the cabin. They they needed to check out a suit. So, uh, they figured, Hey, well, we might as well put a person in it while we're checking it out. so they let me do that, which was a wonderful experience, but, yeah I would have I would have loved to have gone outside and actually work on this on the telescope. Instead I just got to take pictures and and watch them and help them
0: get in and out of their suits. And Hubble of course has uh, just been the premier scientific instrument for NASA. It's generated uh, more data and more scientific papers than any other mission. So the repair of Hubble has just been spectacular and and the fact that you were uh, on two of the repair missions is pretty special.
1: Well, I I feel really lucky to have been on those missions. You know, I it was so amazing to be up there near Hubble and get up in the morning and look out the window and and see it back there in the in the payload bay. It 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 really was um, exciting. Um, I, I remember one of the neatest things that the crew got to do was on my first uh, Hubble servicing mission. Um, we needed to build some little covers, right? That um, that would go over the magnetometers up on top because some of the uh, insulation was degrading, and and we spent I, I don't know a few hours building these covers. The 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 the, the folks inside the the vehicle, and then um, we we took those covers and the EVA crew went outside and just on a few minutes in an EVA they put those covers on the telescope, right? But I remember when I got home thinking my covers are up there flying on the hubble space telescope and 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 it was so it was just so neat thinking i touched those they're on the telescope they're still in orbit and I, and i think about all the people that that touched all the different pieces of hubble making it and and how they must feel with that telescope up there now still today and all the data that's come come back from it and the and the way it's changed how we think about our universe
0: well sts 82 was a discovery shuttle so you've been in a Columbia Endeavor and Discovery. How different are they? You know, are they different in terms of how they fly or maneuver or what, what, what is it like? Or are they all identical?
1: Well, you know, there are little differences. And if you've, if you've been in them enough, you could notice the little differences. But um, each one of them, whether it was the oldest or the newest, it, it. They all felt like brand new cars. You know, they 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 didn't really have quite the new car smell, but almost right. They were. They. I mean, everything that's done. People wear bunny suits. They're just really really clean. At least from my point of view, they're really clean. That when we come back, sometimes folks would complain about dust or other things that come up because you um you just can't get everything. But but I always thought they were uh amazingly amazingly clean and, and felt new every, every time I flew one. Um, you know you you'd expect little scratches on the panels and things like that and we had those in the simulator. The simulators felt like used cars right they they felt well worn but the, the actual vehicles just you know they were they were sparkling inside and and as far as the way they flew I, I think they all sort of flew the same The bigger um, influence was what you were carrying in the payload bay. Um, you know, on a space lab mission, uh, the, the the vehicle would fly a little bit different on the landing than on a, a, a Hubble mission. When you come back with a with um, a lot less cargo in the payload bay, um, the the vehicle's response was just a little bit differently. They both flew fine, but it was enough that it was worth training uh, on the difference. and And we had some great simulators, uh, airborne and um, and 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 ground simulators that could get you a pretty good feel for for what the vehicle was like so that when you'd roll out at whatever runway you were landing on you felt really comfortable and at home Uh, you know you were well prepared for whatever vehicle
0: you were flying. So after you came back from STS-82 you became you changed positions you became a mission specialist you know getting ready to go to space station. So uh uh how did that go? What well, what was the big change in your training? Well, um
1: you know there was a lot of differences training for an international space station mission as a mission specialist over um training as a commander or a pilot for a shuttle mission. Um you know commanders pilots we trained to do the simpler science experiments and uh on ISS we were going to be training for experiments that would take a higher level of, of preparation and we would um, t- train in a lot more detail for the science so so that was one uh, area where it was a little bit different the other area was uh, in the area of international cooperation um, training on uh, systems from another country and living and working in another country before I flew on expedition six um, uh, you know in in short periods, I accumulated about two years living in Russia. I think the longest period was a little over three months, uh, and, and but but you know, f- f- four to six weeks over in Russia, back to the U.S., over to Russia, back to the U.S., um, working uh, in 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 Russian, uh, trying to learn Russian systems and and getting to know the Russian people and um, and that was again very rewarding, a different kind of reward than uh, I, I remember from. The, the the Hubble missions, um, but 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 still very satisfying, but often it's the relationships that we're building. That, that really last and uh, and, and change uh, the, the the world around us and I think that was probably the the other bigger the big change of ISS is that we weren't just building a science platform we were actually doing something to to try and change the world a little bit and I think that's true honestly when you look back about every mission right every mission that we fly, whether it's a, a robotic mission or a, a, a mission with a human in it; those are exploration missions, and and we're trying to change the world by what we learn, by by the way our teams work together, by by the way we show people how we work.
0: Yeah, I re- I personally think that uh, the International Space Station has just been such a wonderful venue for improving our international relationships, understanding different cultures, and. And, and teams of people working together from different backgrounds is just so important for us to do. That diversity really makes us stronger. While you're up in space, you have all kinds of things to eat, I'm sure. So what was your favorite food? Was it the ice cream or not?
1: <laughs> I never ate the astronaut ice cream in space. The, the, the closest thing I had to a, a dairy product that I really liked was um, instant breakfast and i hated it on the ground but when i got in space i loved it and i don't know why but it was like having a a a, a great milkshake at a, at a at a a fancy diner it was just really really good i i i loved that stuff when i was up in space but that wasn't my favorite food my my favorite food was um this this stew uh, it was a russian stew called tokana and um and then on saturday mornings um i'd have a an American cinnamon roll and a bag of Russian tea because the Russian tea was made with real tea bags and real sugar. And it was a, a great treat to sit there and read my email on Saturday morning with a bagged cinnamon roll and, and 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 a fresh bag of tea.
0: So while you're on the International Space Station, we have the Columbia disaster, which was so sad. I remember those days uh, quite vividly in my career. Uh, but then you end up, Coming home on a Soyuz, how how different was that?
1: The chance to fly home on the Soyuz was a
0: big surprise for us,
1: right? We were supposed to come home on a shuttle. But when uh, the Columbia accident happened, um, the the team decided that um, we should take a closer look at the shuttles before we, we fly anymore to, to station to deliver or pick up crews. And the international team came up with a plan to uh, bring us home on a Soyuz, but the actual flight home was just fantastic. Uh, it's so different on a Soyuz than a shuttle. I mean, a shuttle is kind of like flying in an airliner and, and you, 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 if you were leaving station, it would take a couple days after you left station before you finally came back down at a runway and, uh, and, and, and were met by the, the ground team and, and, and went off for all your post-flight medical testing, um, on the Soyuz, it, First of all, it's just a lot shorter. It's hours instead of days uh, after you leave station before you're on the ground. The G loads are a lot higher. Um, and then on our flight, we, we had the extra excitement of a ballistic entry. But the big difference is you land about um, 300 uh, miles or so away from the normal landing site. When we landed, there was nobody there to meet us, which was a lot different than landing at a runway with a, with a big bus <laughs> there to meet you and, and haul you back to, to the crew quarters. Well, the the day we landed on Expedition Six was in May, uh, early May, um, the steppes of Kazakhstan. So it's um, it's a little bit like the high deserts in the U.S. Um, it's a, there's a lot of um, I, I think of it as reddish brown loamy soil. It's it's desert soil. It's really pretty dry. So we spent a few hours out in the the wilds of kazakhstan um waiting for the the ground forces to come pick us up and that was one of the most wonderful experiences of my life just uh, at peace there on the opposite side of the world from um from my house in in houston texas but just feeling at home because i'd returned uh along with don pettit and and nikolai Budarin to to our to our home to our home planet um, and And I still get that feeling when I go to Kazakhstan today, and you know, it's a long way away, but I still feel like
0: like i'm I'm returning home it's 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 neat well, did you have to mentally readjust every time you returned to Earth's gravity? What was that like?
1: Yeah, coming back to Earth's gravity is as big an adventure as going into microgravity. um Your body has to go through certain changes whenever you come back, and the longer you're in space, the bigger the transition is. It helps to be mentally prepared. Um, the, the first thing you feel is that you're just really, really heavy and your body tells you that you're so heavy, you may not even be able to move. Um, it's kind of like getting out of a, a swimming pool. You know, if you've been in a swimming pool for a long time and then you climb out, you'll feel really heavy on the ladder or the opposite of, of taking off a pair of skates. Sometimes you'll take a pair of skates off your, uh, off your feet and, and your feet will feel really, really light. Um, well it's, it's the opposite of that. You just feel heavy. Now your body is plenty strong and it's capable of, of moving. Uh, but your brain is telling you, I don't know if this is going to work, but if you just concentrate really hard, everything works fine. Right. That's the first thing. The second thing is something we call orthostatic intolerance. It just means if you, if you stand up too quickly, um, you're you, you'll get a little bit lightheaded, so that can last for a few hours, where you just need to be careful if you if you stand up. Um, uh, and a, a few hours to to a few days, it, it varies with different people. And then the third thing is the way your vestibular system reacts. Um, the, there are um, organs in your inner ear that kind of detect uh, the gravity and the tilt of your body up in. Um, microgravity you don 't really use them the same way you you use those sensors to sort of uh sense your lateral acceleration right so when you when you come back, you can get this uh odd sensation that when you 're tilting your head you're moving sideways right and 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 it's really strong when you get back uh initially, but then it starts to fade away after a few days. Um, so so the, the, those are the kind of things and, you know, over the next month or two, you gradually um, uh, rebuild your, your postural muscles, the ones that you don't use a lot up in space, the, the, the muscles that help hold your back up and your neck up and, 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 and you get back pretty close to normal uh, in, in that area after about a month. And then in some ways, spaceflight changes you forever. When you're up in space you'll you'll hear it from every astronaut you don't really see borders although there are some borders you can see honestly you know we have borders cut by rivers and there are some places where you can actually see um changes in in the way land is managed from one country to the next but for the most part you you don't you don't see um, evidence that that different countries exist. You just see uh, this big landmass, and um, you you see how connected we are. I remember on one one flight, I I saw dust, a dust storm over in Mongolia, and that dust spread all the way around the world. You know, it touched other countries. It it, it spread all the way around the the northern hemisphere, and then w- the the rains came uh, and. And wash that dust out of the air, you could see the rain just moving around the around the hemisphere, and seeing how the planet is connected, how it responds to things in in, in different parts of the world, you realize that that we all are connected, and that even though we have different countries we we 're all related to our planet, and that um is is to me very profound, and I think it makes you less judgmental. It, it uh, at least for me, it made me less judgmental and and um, more just wanting to understand how other people live and and realizing how important it is that we all work together to protect our planet. And and you start to think of our planet as a spacecraft. You know, after you've been away from it and looking back, you you start to think of it as as our spacecraft through through the solar system.
0: Yeah, no, that's very important. Yeah. It's called the overview effect, how that really changes your perspective. Well, so now you're the Deputy Associate Administrator for Human Exploration Operations Mission Directorate, and you're working towards getting astronauts to the moon. How excited are you about our current plans and activities?
1: Well, I am so excited about our Artemis program and moving um, to get humans to the moon and, and, and beyond, right? The, the thing that, that gets me most is we're not just talking about going to the moon. Um, we're talking about going out into our solar system and we're going to the moon to learn what we need to get further into the solar system. Um, and there's a lot we have to learn, right? And, and, and I'm, I'm excited about the, the missions that we're gonna undertake to gather that knowledge. Um, and it's, uh, it, it, it's knowledge about how humans are going to work in a different radiation environment, how we're going to work um, on even longer duration um, stays out in, in deep space. And for the human spaceflight community, we, we have some thinking to do about trajectories and gravity assists that are robotic Explorer uh, teams have been working for a long, long time ballistic trajectories, and that's that's what's the, the I think the coolest thing about Artemis to me is is we're not just talking about the moon, we're not just talking about Mars, we're talking about both and further, and 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 I and I love that.
0: Well, Ken, I always like to ask my guests to tell me what was the event or person, place, or thing that got them so excited about being the person in the space program that they are today. I call that event a gravity assist. So Ken, what was your gravity assist? For me it was that uh, that that time in the
1: car with my father listening to the radio and hearing about the 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 mission of John Glenn uh and and the first US astronaut to orbit the earth. That that was the assist for me. That was what got the fire going. And then, and then many, many places along the way, I got support and and, um, and and additional help from other mentors. I was just thinking about that the other day. How many different people in, you know, maybe a 10 minute session while we were sitting waiting for something, they gave me some critical piece of advice or just encouraged me uh, along the way. Uh, you know, so I've I've had lots of little gravity assists besides that big one.
0: Well, Ken, thanks so much for joining me in discussing this fascinating topic of what it's like behind the scenes to make a human exploration mission happen. It's been a lot of fun. brought back a lot of great memories. So join me next time as we continue our journey to look behind the scenes at making NASA work. I'm Jim Green, and this is your Gravity Assist.